Exodus chapter, what did I t- tell you? Three. Let's, let's do two first. And I'm just going to flow into this. And this is still, still talking about, behold, he's more than just a man. And I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. And last week we talked about looking at Jesus. He's the anointed one. He is the, the one that restores. You know, and with realizing looking at Jesus and looking at the glory of God, why did Moses say, show me your glory? Because he recognized he, he had lack in his life. He recognized that he needed something in his life. He was without something in his life. And, and because of that, he said, show me your glory. Say that, show me your glory. He was like, God, I'm, I know you want me to go here, but, but God, I, I can't go if you're not going with me. Man, that, that, that's dependence right there. Man, what, what, what dependence? So, so the prayer, show me your glory, is just saying, Lord, I'm dependent upon you right now. I need to hear from you right now. I, I need direction for my life right now. I'm tired of going around the same merry-go-round time and time again. I'm tired of going around this mountain, Moses could be saying. You know, 11-day journey taking like 40 years. So I'm tired of going around this mountain, but, you know, because I want to go there, but I know it's going to take you to get there. And so that's the kind of heartbeat after God that we need to have. Jesus was no different. He said, Father, apart from you, I can do nothing. Meaning, I'm dependent upon you every area of my life. So when we say, show us your glory, it's not just a a cute religious statement. No, it's our declaration. It's our declaration saying, Lord, I want to see your goodness, your presence, and your power show up in my life. And I, I don't know about you, but I need his direction in my life. You know, I, I've seen what Justin can do without God, I, and I, I don't like it. I, it I, been there, bought the T-shirt, and, and I, I don't want—I don't want to get another one, right? So, so here, this show us His glory is just saying, God, I, I surrender to You. I recognize I have this need for You to manifest in my life. You know, looking at this, the glory of God for a moment. The glory of God is—it's—it's. It's, God's expression, it's who he is. You can't separate the glory from him, it's who he is. And also we know that God is love, right? So we could say the glory of God is an expression of the love of God, right? And we talked about this, what is a nature? How, do you, how can you tell someone something's nature or the nature of something? You see it in two things. You see it in, in what it is and you also see it in what it does. And so, for, for instance, how about Satan, for instance? Who is he? What is he? He's the, what the, Jesus says, he's what? The father of lies. Okay, so that's who he is. But what does he do? He, what, steals, kills, and destroys. So what about God? God is love. That's who he is. You can't separate him from love. It's just, it's just what he is. You know, if I were to take a piece of glass and, and, and it would be glass, I would shatter it in, in all kinds of different pieces. But you know what? It's still, still glass. It's the same thing with God. So I can break down God in all kinds of different points that he's, that he's a provider, he's a healer, he's a restorer, he's, a, you know, all kinds of different things. But you know what? It still comes down to the fact that he's just love because it's who he is. And, but what does he do? What's the work of love? It's restoration. That's his work. What is it? He's love. And what does he do? He he provides. He gives abundant life. 
Man, it's, it's just his heart. It's, it's what he desires. It's, it's what he's all about, Freddie. He is all about love and he's all about working in the life of someone that is seeking after him. Let's look at this in, in Exodus chapter 3. And let, let's, look at, let's look at God and how God works. Verse 23, and it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in Exodus 2. Sorry, Exodus 2, verse 23. Sorry. <laughs> okay, let me rewind for a second here. Let's... <laughs> And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Now here, 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 the God comes down and he's, he's saying, look, I've heard the cry of my people. My people are saying something. You see, they were in bondage for 430 years. It was only supposed to be 400 years. But yet it was 430 years. Why? Because they weren't tired of bondage yet. And, and sometimes you, some people, they're waiting for their bondage to change, but yet they don't change. See, it, it, takes, it, it takes you pursuing something different. So they, they stayed in bondage 30 years longer because they still chose bondage. And a lot of times as individuals, there's times in my life where I chose bondage when I didn't really, it wasn't really, didn't have to be mine. See, it wasn't until their cry. It wasn't until something came out of their hearts. It wasn't until they were ready for something different. And I I love it. Verse 24, it says, and he, God remembered his covenant. And see, he remembered his covenant. What, what was his covenant all about? His covenant was about a love relationship. Now, now let's, let's look at, see, that's what God is. That, this is who he is. He loves. Now, let's look at, look at Exodus 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. He knows your sorrows. Why? Because he loves. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're going. We know in Hebrews it says that Jesus was touched with the feeling of our what? Infirmities. He's a high priest that can be touched with what of our weaknesses. Here, and, and it says here, it says, I know their sorrows. Why does he know their sorrows? Because he cares about them. Oh, Stuart, he cares about us. Man. And then the next verse says, and I will come down and deliver them. You see, here in, the, in just these few verses, we see the complete nature of God. We see who he is and we see what he does. We see the fact that he remembered his covenant because why? He loves And what do we see him do? He goes, I know their sorrows. That's love. And then he says, what? I will come down. 
I will come down and deliver them. I'm so, it's so good to know that, that, that I can cry out in the midst of wherever I'm at. And it says that I will come down and I will deliver them. I will come down and deliver them. I mean, God wants to get right involved, right in the middle of your struggle. He wants to get right in the middle of wherever you're at in your life. So that's what same thing with Moses. He said, show me your glory. He was saying, God, I need you to come down and get right in the middle. Say, get right in the middle. See, this is his heart. Let's go to, let's go to Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63. Thank you, Father. Isaiah 63, verse 7. He says, I will recount the loving kindness of the Lord. I'm reading the Amplified. I will recount the loving kindness of the Lord and the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord according to all the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness to the house of Israel. The great goodness to the house of Israel. What's the glory of God? It's the goodness of God, the presence of God, the power of God, right? So here he goes, I'm going to talk about this, but he's bestowed on us and all the great goodness to the house of Israel, which he granted them according to his mercy and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. So all this great goodness, Rick, was given on account of what his mercy and his loving kindness. So the glory of God was an expression of the love of God, but it showed up as goodness. So he granted them goodness. Why? Because of his mercy and his loving kindness. Now let's look at verse eight. For he said, talking about who said God said for, for he said, surely they are my people, sons who will not lie. And so he was to them a savior in all their distresses. Verse nine, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. Now get that. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. See, this is, this is a prophetic scripture about Jesus. And he is saying, in all their, their afflictions, he was afflicted. It's the same because God says, I will come down. Why? Because I know their sorrow. I know their afflictions. See, get, get a hold of the fact that God cares about you. He says, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. The angel of his presence refer, is referring to Jesus. And I could show you that in J, I could show you that in Genesis. I can show you that in several places. Angel of his presence saved them. Now, look at, in his love and in his p- pity, he redeemed them, and he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Now, see, I wanted you to get a picture of God's nature because because I really wanted you to see this again, as we saw it last week, that his nature is love. But the work of love is what? Restoration. I mean, here God loved and because he loved, he wanted to get right involved in redeem, get right involved in restore, get involved and in, in see change, get involved and, and, and bring about change. That's what his desire was for 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 humanity. As we behold Jesus. Realize he is the anointed one, as we talked about last week. And he is the one that came to furnish what is needed. 
The word Christ is the word creo. And one, another derivative is in the Greek is called creomaya. And it means to furnish what is needed. So when you say Jesus Christ, you're saying Jesus, the one that was anointed to furnish what is needed. You see, and that's what the glory of God does. The glory of God is all about furnishing what's needed. When Moses says, show me your glory, he was saying, God, I thank you for furnishing what's needed for this next season of my life. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. As we behold Jesus, we see the glory of God. We see the glory of God. We see the love of God. And we see the love of God. We see the restoration of God. So let's continue to look at Jesus. Thank you, Father. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, some other, other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who say you that I am? Now, now listen to this question that Jesus is asking. He's, say, he's saying, all right, who do you say that I am? Well, they say, some say you're this. See, see, behold, he's more than just a man. See, other people were, what, is, what are other people saying about me? Well, some say you're this or some say you're that. Some say you're this and, you know, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets or you're like them. But he says, who do you say that I am? See, it's something that it has to become personal. See, it wasn't what it didn't come down to what everyone else said about Jesus. But Jesus wanted to know what did they know him as? So it's not about what Pastor Justin knows about Jesus that counts. The question is, what does Chad know about Jesus? What does George know about Jesus? Peter, who do men say that I am? Well, who do you say that I am? And Simon said and answered, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art the Christ. Thou art the anointed one, the one that's to furnish what is needed. You are the one. You're the Messiah. You're the one that came to furnish what's needed in my life. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know him as your Christ? The anointed one, the one that's furnished what is needed. Because Jesus is the expression of the glory of God. And he's the expression of the love of God. So when I look at Jesus, I'm seeing love looking at me, wanting to restore me. You know, I I just think of Jesus, you know, with his hands spread wide on the cross, looking down at everyone. Think about that for a moment. Get it, get it, close your eyes for a moment. Get a picture of Jesus on the cross. We don't, we we can think of movies we might've seen, but whatever it is, just, just get a picture in your heart and just Jesus looking out in pain and agony and he looks down and he sees them, but yet he loves them. Wow. Look at Jesus looking at you. Whatever you're going through right now, look at Jesus looking at you. Because when he had his arms spread wide, he was looking at them. And what what did love say? Forgive them for they know not what they do. 
You, we, we see all throughout the scripture where, where Jesus, an expression of the love of God, was moved with compassion. He said he was moved with compassion. He said he because he saw them fainting in the way. And he said he, he, he said they were like a sheep that didn't have a shepherd. He said he was moved with compassion and and, it, and he said and it healed them all. We see him looking at a man at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years that had been broken. We we see him looking at a woman that was bent over for 18 years. We see him looking at the ones that were without. He, 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 sees a, he, he, sees, he sees Lazarus' tomb and he's standing in front of it. He, he sees the woman that put the last might as her offering. Love sees. Love sees. So you need to know that God desires to restore you no matter where you are. Why? Because it's his nature. And his nature is who he is and what he does. He is love and his desire is to restore you. What is the definition of restore again? It's to mend, to make new, to bring to a place of peace. It means to conduct a reversal and bring to a completed state. So love is looking at you and wanting to bring strength to your life. Love is looking at you. Love, Jesus is the expression of God. He's the expression of the glory of God, which is the love of God. I know I'm saying that over and over because I really want you to get a hold of Jesus is more than just a man. He is the expression of the Father. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, says, it says that we have knowledge and understanding as we look at Jesus of the glory of God. He's the expression. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, you don't need to turn there. It says for God, how God sent Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say, I have to say Jesus Christ of Nazareth because the anointing is the Christ. How God anointed, how God Christ, how God anointed, how God furnished what is needed. How God anointed Jesus. He gave Jesus what he needed. He gave Jesus what he needed. How God anointed Jesus with what the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So so how God anointed love. See, how God anointed the glory to go about and do good and Heal all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For love was with him. For glory was with him. For God was with him. See, these things are God, love, glory. They're they're interchangeable. I'm not taking away from the scripture. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. So you see love. Anytime you see love, you're also seeing restoration. You're seeing hearts mending. God said, the anointing is on me to preach the gospel to the poor. What to heal? What? The brokenhearted? Are you brokenhearted? He wants to restore your heart. You got to see Jesus is looking at you this morning. He's looking at you. I, I'm reminded of a, of a story, and uh, I believe it's Genesis uh, 16, possibly 16, I think. 
And it's a story of Hagar and, and Hagar was, was, um, Abraham and Sarah's servant and she gets pregnant in any way, Sarah, you know, that's a whole nother story, but don't have time for that one. But, but anyways, Sarah gets, gets, gets on to Hagar and Hagar takes her son and they go off and they wander in the wet wilderness and he sits by a well. And she's idle. She's sitting there. And, and, the, and the place was called the place of sure, which means a place of wandering. And, and, and she's sitting there. And then God shows up to her and, and says, says, what's going on here? And anyway, God speaks to her and says, go back and do this. And, and she makes a statement. And she says, she goes, I call this place the God who sees me and yet still loves me. So it's amazing how God showed up to this woman that didn't really necessarily have a covenant with God necessarily. And she says, but God sees me in my wandering. Why? Because it's his nature. It's his heart. Man, man, he sees you. He sees me. And his heart is to manifest his glory in our lives. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17 says, And Jesus answered and said unto Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Blessed are you. Tell you, there's an empowerment that comes in your life when you have a personal revelation of who Jesus is. Blessed are you. Verse 18, and I say unto ye that, that our Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Didn't, didn't mean he was going to build his church on Peter. Wasn't building the church on Peter. Some Catholics might think the church was not built on Peter. The church is built on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Your life needs to be built on the fact that Jesus is the Christ. You want to build a successful anything in life? Build it upon Jesus is the Christ. Thou art Peter and upon this rock. Thou art Peter. See, it's amazing when you understand who he is. God will reveal who you are. See, he went from being a reed easily shaken to now you are Peter. Meaning, Peter, you were a reed easily shaken, but now because of this revelation of who you are in Christ, you are a rock. Thank you, Father. See, all because Jesus is moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion for every single one of us. That's his nature. That's his heart. That's his desire. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. As we look at love sees us. You see, he was moved with compassion. Let's look at the word compassion for a moment. The, Jesus wasn't moved with sympathy. He was moved with compassion. What is, what is sympathy? Sympathy is... I have a concern, but not enough to act. Like, more like sympathy. I feel sorry for you. But compassion is, is 
Compassion is a driving force because it's part of the nature of God. And, and, and you, can, you know when you're operating in compassion because you can't help but do something. Sympathy is, Joseph, I see you got a need. Ah, can't really help you. But compassion, it drives me to meet that need. You see, that, that's, that see, when you see love, you see the expression of God, the love of God, the expression of the glory of God is not just to say I love you, but the expression of the glory of God is driven to meet a need. That's what compassion is all about. And Jesus was moved with compassion. I don't know how this, I just, this keeps coming up in my heart. You know, the, the story of, um, the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And it said he beheld him and he called him master. And it said Jesus beholding him, loved him, had compassion on him. And what did compassion do to the rich young ruler? Spoke a word into his life. Right. Said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And follow me. So compassion, what did what? He spoke a word. But man, the man, the rich young ruler, walked away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Love. Love was wanting to meet a need. But sometimes, you know what? We can tie his hands from meeting needs in our lives. Because of what we choose to surrender to or we don't surrender to. It's kind of like a side note. I don't know why I went there, but. Compassion. Let's look at the compassion. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It's looking at the expression of love as restoration. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said to them, you have answered right. This do and thou shalt live. So love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So then he says, uh, it says, be willing, verse 29 says, but he willing to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So God's saying, love God and then love your neighbor. So here Jesus is about to talk to us about the expression of love, what love does. That's what I'm dealing with, what love does. Love sees, love acts. Love's heart is to restore, right? So here, what does love do here? He's, he's giving this lawyer some insight into what love does. Now, this is two, I want you to see this in twofold this morning. One, I want you to see it from the expression of how we're to love people. But before you can ever love people the way you need to love people, first you need to understand how much God loves you. Okay? So that's what I want to deal with in this scripture because it brings out the nature of what love does. Okay? Verse 30, and Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down. This, this is not a parable. A lot of people will call this a parable, but, but because he said a certain man, this is a true story. 
This is something that actually happened. He's not telling this is some story to make you get an idea of something. No, he's saying this is something that really happened. A certain man. A lot of times it it will say Jesus told them a parable. It doesn't say that here. It says, and it says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of the raiment, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, get this here. You see a man that's had everything taken from him, everything stolen from him. And he's coming into him. And and all of a sudden you see a priest and he walks by on the other side. Then you see a Levite that gets close enough. It says he looks on him, but yet he walks away. See, that's love. Just The heart of that is I'm seeing there's a problem here, but there's something keeping me from meeting that need. Maybe it was the law. Maybe it was, he, they, you know, the priest couldn't touch uh, any, anything with blood on it. They couldn't do certain things. They're on the way to the temple. There were certain things that, that they weren't able to do. So there was something hindering, hindering them. Then verse 30, 33 says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine... And set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host and said to them, take care of him. And whatever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these things thou was his neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Compassion. What does compassion do? Compassion just doesn't see a need. The two people, and I could, I could go to several rabbit trails here with this, but what I, for the sake of this morning, what does the Samaritan do? See, Samaritans weren't liked by the Jews. So here, even a Samaritan, Samaritan really didn't believe in the, Samaritan didn't believe in the prophets necessarily. They mainly believed in just, just the law. And so there was, a, there was a whole other thing between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and Jeroboam's day of why they didn't like each other and what was going on, but they didn't, they hated each other. So here a Samaritan is coming up in this man's life and he sees him. He sees a Jewish man and they don't, they don't, they're not connected. They, they, they're enemies at each other, but this enemy goes and he pours in the oil and he pours in the wine. He bounds up, binds up the wounds. He puts them on his own beast He carries him to an inn and places him and takes care of him. This represents protection. It represents furnishing what's needed. So the Samaritan is not just a picture of how you and I should love, but ultimately it's a picture of Jesus. Jesus wasn't received by his own. But yet he loved. He wasn't received by his own, but yet he still loved. And he furnished what was needed. That's what the anointing is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. It's about furnishing what is needed. So he said in Exodus, I will come down and I will deliver them. I mean, I want to get right in the middle. This Samaritan came along, came along and someone that he was at odds against came over and poured in everything he needed. We could talk about what the oil represents. We could talk about what the wine represents. The bottom line 
is this man that was beaten, the man that was bruised, the man that was broken, and the man that was half dead. God took himself and took love and poured on the inside of him and restored everything that he had need of. You know what? And you and I, we were that man that was beaten on the roadside. You and I, we were that man. We were that person. We were that one left on the roadside, half dead, where, this, where Satan destroyed humanity, stole from humanity, Amen. left humanity broken. But yet Jesus, despised by, by man, yet came in and poured everything he had to furnish exactly what man needed. Yes. Say this with me. He came, he came. To, furnish to furnish what is needed. So when we cry out, Lord, show us your glory. We're saying, Father, furnish what's needed in my life today. Furnish what's needed in my finances today. Furnish what's needed in my family today. Hallelujah. He came to furnish what's needed. Said he poured in the oil and he poured in the wine and bound up their wounds. What did Jesus pour into humanity? Without, I'm not going to go to a bunch of scriptures. I'll just give you references. What did Jesus pour into a humanity? John 10.10 says abundant life. You can also say eternal life. Or you could say living water. Number two, John chapter 1 verse 16 says, And we have all received grace for grace. What did he pour into humanity? Grace. What did he pour into humanity? John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, my peace, I leave you. My peace, I give unto you, not as the world gives. What did he pour into humanity? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. He gave us access to the Father. Access to the Father. Number five, what did he pour into humanity? John chapter 15, verse 11. He says that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. What did he pour in? Joy. Number six, what did he pour into humanity? John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, verse 7, he poured in the Holy Spirit. Is he goes, expedient that I go away? Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. Meaning it's needful that I go away. Meaning you need, you need me to go away. Because if I don't go away, you're not getting what's better. You need the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to reveal to you who I am. Behold, look at Jesus. And number seven, I'm sure there could be more than these. But in John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23, he goes, I have given them the glory which you have given me. What did he pour into humanity? Eternal life, grace, peace, access to the Father, joy, the Holy Spirit, and the glory which the Father had given him. He came to furnish what's needed. Hallelujah. Go to Colossians 2 and I'll close this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Colossians 2, verse 7. Verse 7 says, rooted and built up in him. Built up in him who? Jesus. Rooted and built up in Jesus and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceits after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. So beware that people aren't going to lead you away from the main message. Beware. Don't listen to fables. Don't listen to some college professor in a secular university understanding of, uh, of Christianity. He, he says, don't, don't get into vain, vain, vain amusements, meaning empty arguments, meaning this isn't going to be an argument. I'm, going to de- I'm not going to debate to you about Jesus. Beware lest any man spoil you. Meaning if he was telling us beware, that means it could happen. Beware lest any man spoil you. What does spoil mean? To go bad. Meaning, meaning you had something that was fresh and living on the inside of you, but because of wrong information, what was once living now is dead. Why? Through philosophy, through deceit, after the traditions of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 9. Why? For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So why, as I'm beholding, why, why do we behold, why are we beholding Christ? We're beholding Christ because the fullness is in him. Everything I need is in him. Everything I need, he desires to furnish what is needed. Everything that I have need of is found in Christ. So as I keep my focus and I keep my attention on Christ, in him, in Christ dwells all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. I I can't get across. If I could really get. I can't. I don't even understand this. Naturally speaking. I I, I I mean, can you really fathom the fullness of God? Man. The fullness of God, everything that God, all that God is, the bigness of God, the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, and all the fullness of it is in Jesus. Wow. So this is something to get excited about, to know that my father loved me and he provided the glory of God, which is the expression of the love of God to come into my life and furnish what is needed. Wherever you're at in your life right now, you need to see the fullness is found in Christ. The fullness is found in Jesus. Yeah, you might think you need this. You might think, hey, hey, it all comes out of Christ. The fullness. Now get this. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now let's look at verse 10. You can't say, and you, and you, say me. Me. And you are complete in him. Now, the fullness. I'm, man, I'm just trying to. The fullness. The fullness. In Christ is the fullness of the, everything is in Christ. And you're in Christ. So therefore you are complete in him. Think about that. He's poured in everything that you have. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. You are complete in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are complete in him. The fullness of God is in Christ and you're complete in him. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Man, pursue Christ with all you've got. Go after Jesus. Hallelujah. Go after Jesus with everything that you have on the inside of you. And I love how the disciples, man, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. Fishers of men. I will make you. See, when you follow him, he will make you. He will make you what you need to be. He will make you what you need to be. When you follow him and surrender everything that you have to him, he will make you what you need to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you, Father, for the completeness that's found in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for showing us your glory in Jesus. Thank you for the love of God being perfected in us. Thank you for the power of God being perfected in us. Thank you, Father, that we pursue Jesus this morning. And I thank you that we are complete in him. Hallelujah. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you, Father, that you're furnishing what is needed. Hallelujah. You are furnishing what is needed. You're furnishing what is needed. Hallelujah. You are furnishing what is needed. Hallelujah. And you are complete in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for the victory that we have in Jesus. The victory that we have in Jesus. Thank you for the glory of God manifesting in our lives. Thank you for the goodness of God manifesting in our lives. Thank you for the presence of God manifesting in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Let his power work in your life. What do I mean by that? Let his restoration work in you. Sometimes there's times for laying hands on people. But there's times where, where you need to let a revelation go off on the side of your heart. To where you know that you know that you know that God loves you and he wants to restore you. And sometimes... A lot of times when people come to the altar, it's like they're expecting a, 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 an immediate change. Yeah, and, and we believe for miracles. And I, really what I'm referring to now is not about healing. What I'm referring to right now, what I feel in my heart, is, is about restoration in your life. Maybe wrong choices, bad decisions, failed marriages, whatever, whatever it is. Let, the, let, the restoration, let restoration work in you. And it's, and it's not... It's just, it's a process. You know, even, even when it pertains to sin, and I heard this from Dr. Zoe years ago, that, that forgiveness is instantaneous, but restoration is a process. Meaning, yeah, God's forgiven you, but let him restore you back into what, what you came out of. Let him restore you. Hallelujah. 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 You are complete in him. The greater one lives on the inside of you. The glory of God lives on the inside of you. I'm going I'm to have you do something in a moment, but I, I want you to believe in you. I want you to believe in the God that's on the inside of you. 
I want you to believe on the God that's on the inside of you. You said, well, you don't understand, pastor. I've done this and I've done that. It, it doesn't matter. Look at your hands. Say this with me. God loves me so much that he's restored me. I am walking out restoration in every area of my life. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that he's given to me. Thank you, Father, that I am complete in you. I am filled with all the fullness of God. God lives in me. The glory of God is in me. The glory of God is on my hands. It's in my heart. It comes out in the words I speak and the prayers I pray. So as I place my hand on the person on my left and my right, I release compassion, restoration into their lives in Jesus name. Now lay your hands on them. Oh, and just pray over them. Release the glory into their lives. Release the fullness of Christ in them. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. As I lay hands on Chad, it's a point of contact. Laying hands on every person in this place. Hallelujah. The anointing is restoring. 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 Restoring hopes. Restoring dreams. Restoring passions. Restoring call. Restoring. 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 Making new. Making new. Making new. Hallelujah. Restoring. Restoring. Restoring strength. Restoring strength. Strength to physical bodies. Restoring strength to run a race. Hallelujah. Restoring vision. Restoring vision. Vision being restored. Vision being restored. Hallelujah. Vision being restored. Vision. 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 Hallelujah. Vision. Vision. Vision being restored. That's that's spiritual and physical. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Restored. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Healing, 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 hallelujah, healing, hallelujah, healing, hallelujah, healing, hallelujah, stomach ulcers and mouth ulcers being healed. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Someone that's been walking with a limp because, because one foot's longer than the other, one leg's longer than the other. Hallelujah. I declare it be made whole. It be made whole in Jesus' name. It be made whole in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Someone has a, has a, a, a muscular uh, degenerated disease. Muscles being rebuilt. Muscles being strong. Hallelujah. Oh, the anointing is healing. The anointing is healing. The anointing is healing. Oh, restoring, restoring, making new, reversing, reversing, reversing. Hallelujah. Reversing, reversing. Hallelujah. Reversing degenerative eyes. Reversing degenerative eyes. Reversing, reversing hearing loss. Reversing. Reversing de Reversing, reversing Reversing, reversing, reversing Hallelujah. Reversing, reversing Reversing Oh, the anointing is restoring. The anointing is restoring. Hallelujah. 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 Delebo shara bababaka so. Sarri deledebo so. Hallelujah. Stuart, Stuart, come here. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm laying hand every person, Father, with issues with backs. I'm laying hands right now. The anointing is working in this place. The anointing is restoring in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Radeshto Kora Basso, Sitelebos. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.